The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game with HR, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the HR status quo and how people are organized, engaged, and motivated to create real business impact. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place, especially today. Wait till you hear what we have in store. Let's see what the buzz on the street is. Oh, my. Okay, I'm going to drop a few new terms on you. Just listen up. Nearly 11% of the workforce today, you know it's a workforce that is at least five generations strong. It's very vast in terms of demographics. Nearly 11% of this workforce is made up of full-time agile workers. That's right, agile. I'm going to tell you what that means in a minute. Even more important, 39% of permanent non-agile workers say they're likely to take a position as an agile worker in the future. Oh my. This is from a Randstad Workplace 2025 report. Very interesting. I believe they interviewed people at a couple thousand companies all over the world. So, HR technology today is helping companies like yours model, oh, new ways to design the workplace. What does it look like? How are people going to find the environment so conducive to work? They're going to love being there. They're going to feel engaged. They're going to contribute. And all kinds of scenarios to fit people into the right jobs. It's a wonderful thing. However... Companies like yours may be missing the boat when it comes to analyzing which roles really require somebody to be on the full-time permanent workforce, payroll, maybe that's 40 hours a week, I don't even know what that is anymore, versus contingent staff. And here's where I'm going to give you the definition. Agile workers, agile workforce, contingent. You may know that word better. We're talking freelancers, we're talking contractors, we're talking temporary workers and probably what they call the gig workers too. We'll be exploring that with our panel in a minute. So big question for all of you out there. You work for somebody, even if it's yourself, you're an entrepreneur, small company, big company, anything in between. Is your organization, the HR team, reviewing and reconsidering the status quo in time to prepare for to embrace, to welcome, to give a hug to the on their way in force coming at you right now, the Agile Workforce. They're here. They're coming. They're going to hit you in the face if you're not ready for them. So the title of our show today is HR, Get Ready for the Agile Workforce. We have three experts in this field. We're going to do some level setting, some defining, and find out what this really, really means for companies all over the world. So first up, in just a moment, I'll be introducing you to Don Miller. 
He is the U.S. Analytics Leader for Deloitte's Human Capital Organization Transformation and Talent Practice. That's a big business card, Don Miller. He also serves on Deloitte's Global Organization Design and Decision Solutions Leadership Team. That's another big title. And a shout-out to everybody at Deloitte, including Carla Neal and Helen Thomas. I see you tweeting already. And also on the panel, another newcomer like Don, Gerarda Van Kirk. She is Global Talent and Organization Lead for Accenture's Products Consulting Group. Welcome to Gerarda. And rounding out the panel, you all know who. It's our own Dr. Patty Fletcher, Leadership Futurist at SAP Success Factors and the sponsor of this very exciting series. She is also a frequent guest on our flagship show, Coffee Break with Game Changers. We've been hitting some very provocative HR-focused topics on that show recently with Patty. So let me turn around, circle around the table to Mr. Don Miller and welcome you officially, Don. Glad you're here with Game Changers with us today. And Don has sent us an opening quote from Jason Frederick Kidd. He's on Twitter as at RealJasonKidd, K-I-D-D. Born in 1973. Oh, he's a young one. American basketball coach and former player. Currently head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks of the NBA, previously a point guard in the NBA. He was a 10-time NBA All-Star, five-time All-NBA First Team member, and a nine-time NBA All-Defensive Team member. And you may remember him as winning an NBA championship on the Dallas Mavericks in 2011 and a two-time gold medal winner. Oh, my. Here's the quote. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight words. This is going to pack a punch or make a goal or whatever. We're going to turn this team around 360 degrees. Don Miller, welcome to the show. You and I talked about this quote. I was laughing when you sent it to me, and I'm smiling now. How are you, Don? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Tell me about this quote. Please explain what in the world was he thinking when he said this. Well, I'm, I'm sure he was going for 180 degrees, but why <laughs> this quote for the talk? When we talk about the agile workforce and we talk about agile organizations, right, there's a tendency to get so excited and wrapped up in, in being agile and being flexible, um, you know, in the operating environment that businesses are today where it's more complex and competitive than any time in history. Um, if, we, if we focus too much on just being agile versus thinking about keeping it simple on what are we really out to do uh, with our agile or contingent workforce, right, we could find ourselves right in the quote that Jason said, which is we've turned ourselves around 360 degrees versus 180. Very interesting. I'm, I'm thinking back, Don, in his basketball career when he was a player and won all those awards, he certainly knew when to go from the opposing team's basket to his, and he knew that was a 180 and not a, not a 360, I'm sure. Very, very interesting. Uh, Don, before I introduce Gerarda and bring Patty on as well, what's your thought about def- definition of agile workforce? Did I do a decent job of bringing in the types of workers we're discussing today? Uh, I think I think you did, and I think what's interesting about the agile worker and the contingent worker is the fact that employees more than ever are connected to mission-driven organizations, but not necessarily in terms of uh, a long career at organizations. So the idea of being an an agile an, an agile worker or contingent worker is certainly open on the mind for folks with hot skills and learned skills because the average life of a, a learned and trade skill is about four and a half years in today's market and a career uh, in a role is also four and a half. So it's a very interesting world that we're living in and an important piece of the workforce going forward. 
Thank you very much. I just interviewed a, a gentleman on my personal radio show on a different channel on Monday nights, and he is uh, writing about the gig economy and a very interesting another part. We may, Maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show. Thank you, Don, for joining us. And now I'm going to turn a little bit around the table, not 360 yet, but I will come back to Don Gerarda Van Kirk. Uh, she's with Accenture's Products Consulting Group, and Gerarda has sent us a wonderful quote from Yoda. You all know Yoda. Uh-huh. Star Star Wars 5, The Empire Strikes Back. Let me give a little background here. Yoda is a fictional character in the Star Wars franchise created by George Lucas, first appearing in the 1980 film The Empire Strikes Back. And following his death and return of the Jedi at the age of 900, boy, I bet he had a lot of jobs. Yoda was the oldest living character in the entire Star Wars franchise. Uh, Blah, blah, blah. Let me see. And I'm going to read, Gerarda, I'm going to read the lead-up to the quote, if you don't mind, and then I'll, I'll sure. punctuate it with the quote. Is that all right? So Luke Skywalker yeah. says, Luke says, I see a city in the clouds. Yoda responds, hmm, friends you have there. I do a very bad impression. Luke says, they were in pain. Yoda, it is the future you see. Luke, the future, will they die? Yoda, difficult to say. Always in motion is the future. There are the six words Gerarda has selected. Always in motion is the future. Officially welcome. How are you, Gerarda? I'm great. Um, excited to be here. And uh, yes, I kind of love Yoda. I kind of love the uh, the whole idea of the working in the future. And this always in motion is the future caught my eye when you asked me for a quote. Um, and so as to like what it means to me and how I think it applies here, I um, I get really excited when I think about the time that we're in right now. And I, I say it to anyone who listen to me. I feel like we're in a historic time. We're in a time when we're, people will look back on this generation and say, Oh my goodness, you were there when the whole workforce changed. Or you were, you were there when we, we took down the boundaries that were in, within our workplaces. And so how exciting was that? And how did you actually manage that? And so when people, our clients and customers come and talk to us now and they say, well, what can we expect next year? I'm like, well, always in motion <laughs> is the future because it's like this quantum change that's happening all the time and partially because of quantum computing as well. So there's, the change that's going to happen from what we have today to five years from now and will we even recognize what the workforce looks like at that time to what's changing every single day. So it's kind of exciting time to be in. Very exciting time. And uh, do you think Yoda had a lot of jobs in his lifetime, Gerard? Do you think he was think a gig worker? <laughs> yeah, the only thing, though, I'd say about Yoda is I think he kind of became really deeply skilled in a certain area. And in the future, we might just replace that by AI. So he might be out of a job. Oh, <laughs> so, so, now you're making everybody sad. Thank you very much. We'll I have find to another tell role for him, a future role. We, we will have to, a, a, re, a real role. He'll Maybe he'll just make appearances as Yoda at yeah. malls and, and shopping centers and theater openings. We'll, we'll find something, or maybe he'll be on the guest list at the new wave of Airbnbs. Uh, come and meet Yoda before you settle into your beautiful bedroom with the croissants. I'm making this up. Sorry. Thank you. Thank you, Gerard. A pleasure to have you. And now let's welcome Dr. Patty Fletcher. Patty, I can't imagine how many radio shows you've been on with me uh, last month and this month. And and this is episode number 10 of your season. We're ending the season today, aren't we, for Changing the Game with HR? Yeah? We are. To be here with all of you, but I can't believe it's it's done for the year. So fast. 
I know. You know, I'm going to talk to you soon about renewing for next year because HR is such a lively topic and it's something that impacts everybody who either owns a company or is thinking about owning a company, starting something, and anybody who has a job. And very interesting, Patty, that our topic today means that we have expanded the audience who would be interested in this because we're talking about the agile workforce and people who are not permanent, full-time, permanent chair types of workers. So, Patty, let me get to your opening quote here. I'm scrolling up and down, and I found it. You have introduced me to somebody new, Patty. It's Esther Dyson. I had to look her up. Born in 1951. She's another one I call a young one. She's a Swiss-born American journalist, author, businesswoman, investor, something near and dear to Patty Fletcher. We had somebody from Astia Investors, Astia Angels, on last week. Uh, She's an investor, a commentator, and philanthropist. Esther Dyson is a leading angel investor focused on breakthrough efficacy in healthcare, government transparency, digital technology, aha, biotech, and space. Uh, on October 7th, 2008, that was my birthday back then, Space Adventures announced that Esther Dyson had paid to be trained as a backup spaceflight participant for Charles Simony's trip to the International Space Station aboard the Soyuz TMA-14 mission, which occurred in 2009. Oh, my. Here is the quote Patty has selected from Esther Dyson. Change means that what was before wasn't perfect. People want things to be better. Patty, talk to me about the quote. Very interesting. Yeah, it is. And, and I know Esther. Um, and this is the first time I've had quoted somebody who I, I know. And she is all that you said and, and even more. And I, I think Yoda um, Doretta would, would be very impressed with her because she is somebody who has to go into the future and work backwards based on where she invests and making the world a better place. What I love about people who are entrepreneurs or people who invest in startups is that they understand the role of that type of innovation is to fix what's inefficient, right? Because if it's working great, we don't need to do anything about it. And I think agile workforce is one of those things. When I look at the implications to the individual, we talk a lot about you know the, the four years, I, I think, um, that was mentioned earlier from Don or or, um, you know, having multiple careers, mm-hmm. like my generation, Gen X, has multiple. What we don't talk about are folks like me who want to do it all at once, right? So it's mm-hmm. not just I'm going to change multiple jobs, but I do multiple things, right? That's also part of the agile workforce. And right now, there's no model that really supports that kind of work. The other side of this is... Things aren't perfect when it comes to workforce design. We've been applying the same kinds of thought processes, mindsets, and then solutions to how do we design the workforce to be able to deal with all of the different changes that happen out in the market based on customer need and technology and all of those things that are really pushing the boundaries of how we work and and what it is that we deliver to customers. And so instead of just assuming everything is a full-time position, why not look at how you are designing your workforce positions that you have, the roles that they play, the importance of them with a very different view, what must be in-house talent, and where would we be better served by bringing in specialties for a temporary period of time? Very, very different 
Patty, I have a question for you. you. Talk about permanent versus contingent staff. Talk about agile workforce, freelancers, contractors, temporary workers. But we haven't talked about place and time. And uh, people like me and maybe you, I don't know, Don and Gerarda, many of us work from, quote, unquote, a home office. So designing a space for workers, I, I'm never going to be in that space. Maybe you'll be in it, what, once a week or once a month. So a lot of what we've talked about on some of our other Game Changer shows has been how do you design spaces for team building, for eyeball to eyeball, face to face, mano a mano, team building in the workplace. How do you facilitate design thinking? How do you help people come to work, feel good about being there, want to stay there, do their best, distraction free, but also social input so that they feel they're part of something bigger. When you have a contingent workforce or a permanent workforce that's not on site, Patty, doesn't that add even another dimension to the challenges to HR? Well, considering it does, but considering that Gallup over the last 20-something years has told us the majority of the workforce isn't engaged, I'm not sure being within the same brick building matters. Um, really, so it comes back to, it comes back to what, what Don was talking about, right? The cultural thing. What are those missions that, that I'm hooked onto? And we're seeing that more and more. Who knows what Generation Z is going to think is important? But I'm certainly seeing that we all see it from the millennials and the millennial effect on other generations. But creating a space, Bonnie, I love that you said that because the space doesn't necessarily have to be a cubicle or an office with a view, right? It really is, to your point, brick buildings don't do business with brick buildings. People do business with people. It's one of my favorite lessons from a mentor of mine, a former chief digital officer at SAP, Jonathan Becker, shared that with me. And that's exactly what this means. Leaders role modeling that kind of, here's how we collaborate if you are working here. People sharing their stories, getting the right type of collaboration technology, and then rewarding people for that kind of work. We're going to talk about teams, no doubt, today. The fact is we hire individuals. <laughs> That's who we support. We are really bad when it comes to teams. We we're, we're, haven't figured that one out yet. So I, I absolutely agree with you. I don't think we've quite figured a lot of that stuff out yet. And when we add in the, oh, by the way, you're not on the payroll, which used to be mostly a financial decision, right? Easier to to get rid of contractors than payroll employees, a lot less paperwork, and it was cheaper. And we're talking about something very, very different here now. So I'm very excited to see what the future brings in terms of creating that space. Thank you, Patty. Thank you for indulging my question. I appreciate that. I'm just thinking thinking from where I am and where a lot of our, our people we know work from. So let's circle around the table. Now, Don Miller, I'm doing a full 360 and coming back to you where we started. I love the Jason Kidd quote. I'm going to have to use that one. Uh, and Don, I'm going to ask you a couple of personal things. Uh, number one, where are you calling from today in general? Number two, what's in your cup if it's interesting or what would you rather be drinking that would really make you smile? And number three, tell me a little bit about your role at Deloitte. So go ahead, Don Miller. Um, I'm calling from Seattle, Washington. And so I, I don't think I would be allowed to call from Seattle, Washington if I didn't have coffee in my cup, right? There you go. So that, that's, that's what I have. And, um, and, and a little bit about my role at Deloitte. So I'm a, a leader in our uh, organization design and decision solutions practice, um, both in the U.S. and globally, and, and focused on a lot of things that we've been talking about today in terms of making the connection between 
teams and the network of teams and how that translates into how organizations are run and the different sets of talent uh, that get involved in that. And we've moved well beyond uh, organization structures, I think, as many folks, uh, you know, design their organizations and see boxes and sticks and now into really how the work gets done and how we organize around our consumers or the services we deliver. And so what I'm focused on uh, at Deloitte. Thank you very much. And I have to ask you to get a little more specific. What's your favorite coffee, Mr. Miller? Oh, well, you know what? I, um, I, I'm gonna, this might be sacrilegious, but my, my favorite coffee is our Nespresso machine in our house. But uh, luckily, Starbucks is just a short walk away. So that's my backup. <laughs> Thank you very much. Any particular flavor or just in general? Uh, any, any capsule will do. There you go. I'm an espresso gal myself. I have a red one to match my red kitchen. Ooh, it's so exciting in my red hair, but not my red car. Gave that one up. <laughs> Thank you very much, Gerard and Kirk. Same questions. Where are you calling from? What do you love to drink that makes you really happy? Because that's what we have in life. We're trying to all be happy somehow. And Gerardo, what do you do at Accenture, please? So I'll start with where I am. I'm in Chicago today. Um, I am... Um, what I would like to be drinking right now, but I'm not, is um, a Glace Rare Iceberg Water, which I'm not sure if you've ever heard of, but I grew up in Newfoundland, which is a little island out there, and and we actually go out and we melt uh, water off of icebergs. So the water you drink could be 150,000 years old or 10 to 15,000 years old. So very pure, no minerals, only 10 to $15 a bottle, <laughs> but I love it. You just can't buy it in Chicago. So... Um, um, highly recommend it if you ever get that chance. Um, as far as what I do in Accenture, so I lead our uh, products, talent, organization practice. And so what that means is that I, um, I work with a lot of clients that work in the products industry and, and, and work on a lot of things like Dawn was just talking about, like as you kind of prepare for growth or prepare to reinvent yourself as many products companies are trying to do today, What's your workforce going to look like? What are the impacts of the workforce? And um, what should, how should you organize yourself and how should work get done and what are the skills you're going to need? And in the midst of all of that, because clearly that's transformational change, it's like how do you actually manage that and how do you make sure that uh, people kind of stay along for the ride, the people that you're going to need at the end? So that's kind of what I do. Thank you, Gerarda. And I looked up what you said you were drinking, and I found the most gorgeous website. I, I It's from icebergcanada.com. Yep. And it's, you say glace, I say glace. I love to put a little French accent aigu on the last E. It's rare iceberg water, and there is a magnificent, everybody has to go here, icebergcanada.com. You click the enter sign on the home page, and you see the word glace or glace floating on the site, and you go to a magnificent picture of blue water with an iceberg rising out and the shadow of the iceberg and then the bottle is on the right it says discover the treasure hidden for 10,000 years the Mm -hmm. purest natural water on earth and there's a little bit of a I think a shading going on it looks like it's animated oh Gerarda yes the the bottle has a shading that's coming up from the bottom and it's making me want to drink it oh damn (laughs) I have to do radio Gerarda how could you distract me like that thank you so much for the it's very rare we get a new drink introduced here because we've had about a thousand guests in the past couple of years so it's very unusual you really top that one my dear so dr patty fletcher somebody tells me you're on vacation uh do you want to tell us where you are and what are you drinking i sure do i just have to say gerada i've never heard of that water before and i'm on the website just like bonnie i do whatever she does and my goodness (laughs) Um, that's what i want to be drinking right now (laughs) um 
So, um, Bonnie, we should go swim up there, see what that's like for us with some wetsuits. Um, <laughs> I'll row yeah, and I'll follow on. you, Patty. I'll be the lead boat. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, so I'm on vacation. I'm in Martha's Vineyard. Um, just spent the morning paddling around the water with my, my youngest child. We're having a mommy-daughter getaway. And she just made me a cup of coffee. I don't know what kind it is. Um, so I'm sitting in our little place we're staying in, drinking coffee and talking to all of you. Well, my goodness, I'll tell your daughter that's a wonderful thing. She has been outed on Game Changers Radio with serving coffee to mom, and I think that's an absolutely beautiful thing. So drink up, Patty, and we are now talking about very interesting topic, HR, get ready for the agile workforce. I think that's an admonition or just basically a flashing alert, 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 HR, they're coming, they're here. You better be ready for them. We have three experts on the topic, Don Miller at Deloitte, Gerard Van Kirk at Accenture, Dr. Patty Fletcher at SAP Success Factors. They don't let me anywhere near caffeine on radio show days. Don Miller, Patty knows that, and Gerarda, I don't have fancy water, just cool, clear water from a Brita filter in a cool, clear mug with a pink straw because I'm saying, yay, it stopped raining in New York and the sun is shining today, and it's a beautiful thing. We'll be right back. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. 90 seconds count along with us. A lot more to come. You're going to love what you're going to learn. Kevin out. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. From setting up the right structures, enabling technology, and compliant operations, to hiring, developing, and cultivating a culture of success, SAP Success Factors is excited to be your partner in redefining what human resources can deliver to business leaders. Changing the Game with HR brings you insights from the movers and shakers who are making this happen. We'll delve into global business challenges from the boardroom to the shop floor and learn what is working and what has to change, all to help you change HR from transactional to transformational. Tune in to the Business Channel to hear today's top human resources business and technology strategy thought leaders share expert insights on how human resources leaders are shaping the future of change for all of us. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to Changing the Game with HR, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Changing the Game with HR. Yes, indeed, we are changing the game with HR with Don Miller at Deloitte, Gerard Van Kirk at Accenture, and Dr. Patty Fletcher at SAP Success Factors. We're going to get started in earnest on our roundtable right now, and I'm looking at some statements Don Miller sent me before the show. Here's an interesting place we're going to start. He says, the scale of transformation required to create the quote-unquote flexible organization should not be underestimated. Very provocative. Don Miller, tell us more. Happy to. 
you know, the old rules of uh, organization design, and I say old, but I think a lot of us are living with them today, are, are focused on, you know, pushing a defined set of products to a steady set of customers with predictable buying habits being served by a known set of com- uh, competitors. And in that predictable world, uh, everybody was always focused on the pursuit of efficiency, right? That was the common DNA strand in all organizational models. But, you know, with that, designing functionally became the best way to pursue efficiency. And today, you know, 40% of organizations still structure themselves this way. But I think we'd all agree that for many industries in the world we live in, you know, that world is gone. We're living in the digital age. Uh, technology is growing rapidly. Uh, however, in, while individuals can adapt to that change, uh, businesses and policy are, are slow to adapt. And in every um, you know, age that we've seen, you know, the age of electricity and computing, there's always been a major uptick in employee productivity. But today, that productivity, employee productivity, specifically per GDP, is almost flat, or as, as, as flat as it's been since 1970. Um, so what's the issue? We, we need to really push and design flexible organizations, and we need new rules, right? And what are those new rules? It's about shifting from focus on efficiency to adaptability, and, and to some of the things my colleagues here have been talking about on the phone around really focusing in on these teams and making sure that in a changing environment, we need to better organized around being uh, able to constantly adapt versus predict what the future will hold, right? So you need to think about flexible organizations in areas of your organization that are ripe for experimentation, whether that's areas where you're facing intense market pressure um, or where you need to protect it at, at the core of the organization in your business, right? Whether that's, uh, you know, introducing robotics and process automation in finance or HR um, or, or somewhere in the market areas. So that's what we're seeing and some of the things that are shifting around um, the scale of transformation required and thinking about where to implement flexible organizations. Thank you. Very interesting, Don. I'm going to ask Gerarda to chime in. Gerarda, what do you think? Agree or disagree? No, I I completely agree. I I I actually I, I use the we we talk to our clients a lot these days about pivoting to the new, and it's a lot of what Don was just saying. I think that in many cases when we when we um, when we talk to them, they get a little worried about okay, so that feels like a huge jump or a huge leap because when you say you're going to have. You know, eighty percent of your workforce is going to be agile or flexible in in three to four years, and it's like it's terrifying. Or, you know, this other percentage of your workforce is going to go to AI or robotics. Again, it's like, well, what's going to happen to my existing employees, and and how do I get prepared for that? And what are the skills I'm going to need in the future in the human side of the world? And how do I get the best talent I can? And so it's like it feels almost insurmountable. And and so one of the things I, I had a group of uh, CHROs together yesterday, it was, and we were having this discussion, and I said, you just need to create a wise pivot. So don't just try to pivot to the new all day one. Like, try to take a, a, a partial pivot. So you're going to go, as Don was saying, to an area that maybe is ripe for change, that you can test and you can prove is going to work, and you take a little bit of the fear out of it. So um, completely agree with what Don said, and um, I think it's great. Thank you very much. Patty Fletcher, thoughts? Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. I was with a group of CHROs a, a few weeks ago, some pretty big logos, and um, from across industries, and we were talking about the agile workforce, and I have to say they were pretty unprepared, um, really not thinking about, Gerardo, what you, were think, what you were just talking about, right? Where are we replacing certain functions with AI? Where would we replace with the agile workforce? 
and, and they certainly weren't asking themselves the questions that I think are the most important piece here that what Don was saying, right? Where do we start testing? It's almost as if they, they were still asking themselves old questions that were founded by fear. And so when I hear what Don is saying, a few things come to mind. 75% of change management programs fail. It's ridiculous. And so how do you be part of that 25%? You have to focus on the people. And people don't change when you tell them to. They change when you enable them to. And change when it's happening to you versus you driving the change is obviously going to induce fear. So I love the approach of let's do some testing. Let's not mess with the core, right, we're, what we're known for, where we know how to make money, where we have market value, blah, 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 all of those things. Let's not disrupt what we don't need to disrupt and let's enable not only enable the business to change, but enable the people to change, to to be less afraid of working with augmented intelligence, not just the artificial intelligence. Be able to understand what create teams where that team might not be around next year because we don't need them, right? There, there's going to be a different set of faces to go from idea to growth or whatever it might be. Absolutely, but I think it all comes back to are folks asking themselves the right questions when it comes to the agile workforce? And I, I don't think we're there yet, but I, I really love the track Don just brought up. Very interesting. And Patty, when you said next year will that team still be there and there may be different faces, I'm thinking there may be different voices because they may not they might not be in that building that's not doing business with other brick buildings. Just going back exactly. to wrap that Exactly. Yeah. I, it's amazing, Patty. I get on team calls at SAP. I don't think I've been in the office in two years. And we all know each other. We all know the voices. Yeah. We, we know the nuances. We know the personalities. We know with whom you can joke and tease, joke around on a call. We know who's going to be very serious. Uh, we just know. And it's, it's a yep. very warm kind of an environment, but it's all voice-driven, and the personalities are there. We just, we're looking at avatars or icons or little pictures or nothing, absolutely, but we know each other. Very interesting. Don Miller, I'm going to ask you to wrap this one up. Anything you'd like to add after Gerarda and Patty have just spoken? Yeah, absolutely. I, I just a, a couple things, right? I think, you know, mm-hmm. it's important to, you know, I can almost hear the, 360 nature, right, of what our clients think when they start to immerse themselves in all the things they could solve for, and and it's always in motion, right, to pull it back to the quotes. So I think I really do believe it's about asking yourself the question, are you ready to invest in in the infrastructure to really support this type of agile workforce or, the, or, or what's needed to uh, unleash these teams? Remember, it's not just about organization structure. You constantly have to, you know, shift the infrastructure by which, you know, those agile workers are working within, relax the policies that rule it or the ones that really matter, develop the leaders and empower decision-making to drive it, and the culture and collaboration to sustain it. And so it's not just a one-dimensional issue when we think about the talent that lives in the Agile, agile world today. Thank you very much, Bonnie, Don. I, I'm, Bonnie, sorry. Yeah, go ahead, just, Patty. Sorry, can I just sure. ask something? Thank you. He, Don, you just said something that was, was so important where you, where you said, okay, is it worth the investment? Because that's exactly the, the conversation. And I almost wonder if the next question becomes, and what happens if we don't? make the investment. Bonnie, I'm thinking about, I think it was last week or the week before where we had that call you were talking about with, you know, about startups, and I think it was gender Mm -hmm. equity about startups. Yes. So we had talked about the World Economic Forum, right, how more than half of the Fortune 100 in the year 2000 no longer exists. And so, Don, I wonder what will happen if they don't start asking me, what if we don't? question? Because I I have Mm -hmm. a feeling if they don't, (laughs) because it almost seems inevitable, 
they might be part of the 50% that won't be here. And chances are, because things move so fast, we won't have to wait 17 years, right, for the the bookstores to be gone and all those other things, whatever the next fourth industrial revolution brings us. It's fascinating. That, that is spot on, and, and it's always easier to identify the not, correct? Yeah. Right? So, that's right. Uh, you know, that, yes. That's a yep. faster way to help them, uh, help them through that change, right? And, and more importantly, okay, Agile, I hear you. Agile for what? Right? What's the outcome? Mm-hmm. If we can't define the mm-hmm. outcome, right, then, then we, are, we are turning at 360, right, 360 degrees. So there, there yep, you are. Point. And I'm going to bring in a quote here while you were all talking. I was looking up, Patty, I Googled Fortune 100, but I ended up with an article about the Fortune 500. The article is in Forbes and it's from William Aruda. I think he's been on one of our shows. I don't know if it's your series, Patty, but I'm sure Bill Aruda has been one of our Game Changers shows. Mm-hmm. Name is very familiar. The article is Mastering the Gig Economy. I mentioned that in the beginning, mm-hmm. a new way to land Fortune 500 jobs. Just let me read two, three sentences here, and then I'm going to move on to something in Gerard's notes. He says, call them what you will, contingent workers, freelancers, gig workers, fractional employees. Regardless, they make up a powerful, agile, and talented cohort that has caught the eye of companies of all sizes. By 2020, they're poised to represent more than 40% of the workforce, and they've already disrupted the hiring process. I'm just going to leave that alone. Oh, organizations are engaged in feverish competition, feverish, to snatch up gifted individuals for tasks raising from one-off projects to long-term stints in C-level positions. Let's leave that one alone. And he mentions name brands. I'm going to put that one into uh, into a tweet here in a moment. So, Gerarda, just giving that a little bit of background, a little validation here for our topic. Gerarda, I'm looking at your notes, and you've introduced in the note I'm about to read a term I don't know if we've used. Two terms, actually. You say the rise of the adaptive workforce, yeah. liquid, and then you say the uberization of talent. Why don't you just explain to us a little bit where do we find these talent pools, Gerarda? Yeah. So, yeah, there's all the terms that you were just mentioning there, Bonnie, are, are terms that we always talk about, right? Adaptive or, or, or the gig economy or the freelancers, et cetera. For a while, within Accenture, we were referring to it as the liquid talent because it was kind of coming in and coming out of the organization. And so that's where that, that term uh, comes up. That the uberization of talent is, is just imagine when you kind of go out and you're, you're requesting an Uber and uh, you send the request out and it comes to the mobile of all these Uber drivers and then they can say, yeah, I'm interested in that. And you get to choose the Uber driver and then you're away you go in a very agile way. So imagine if you have the capability to do the exact same thing for talent. And oh, mm-hmm. by the way, when you get, a, you, need, you have a need for a talent and you get these several I'm going to put in quotation marks there, drivers back that can do that work for you. You can also see their four-star rating or their five-star rating or whatever. So you can say, love that guy. So when we start talking about Uberization for talent, that's what I'm, what I'm thinking of. And, and there are platforms that are already created that do that very well. Um, and those platforms actually allow you to create pools of talent. Um, and those pools of talent can be pools of talent that are internal to your organization so that you actually provide a little bit more fluidity and liquidity to your organization. And when you have capacity in one area, potentially you could share it to another area, skills in a certain area, potentially share with another area that might need it. But it also could be talent that's external to your organization. And for, and for every company to kind of figure that out, they have to figure out what pools am I, a talent am I going to need and what rules do I need to put around those pools. Um, because 
what I think a lot of companies get very worried about is that if I create this external pool, then I have a lot of regulatory issues if I, if I use a person out of that pool too much, or I need to train them, or I need to make sure they have the appropriate uh, certifications that they're going to work for me. But what we keep talking to our, our, our clients about is like, there's pools, rules, and tools. So figure out what pools you're going to need, wrap the rules around them, and then if you have a tool or a platform like the Uber, um, then you're able to actually get access to, to that talent pretty quickly. Pools, tools, and rules. I like that. we got to write a poem about that. Uh, Gerarda, very interesting. Let me ask for a, a piece of clarification before I bring Patty and Don into this. As I mentioned, I, I recently uh, interviewed a gentleman who wrote a book on the gig economy. And when mm-hmm. I, I tried to pin him down on what this, how this worked, he, he has a consulting business. I, I actually don't remember his name, and I, I wouldn't say it even if I, I did. He mentioned that he only works with people who were earning in the vicinity of 200 k and above, either in the workforce now wanting to be a gig supplier, meaning a vendor of services on a gig basis, where people had left the workforce, maybe retired early, had regrets, wanted to come back in and see what all the excitement was, why kids were enjoying mm-hmm. work when he didn't. Uh, is it true that gig is only for, a, I, I venture to say, a higher paid person, but maybe 200K is just average startup today? I don't know. You tell me. So, uh, actually, no. I, I think that the gig is... Um it's open to anyone, and that's the really cool part about it, right? It's anyone in the world could be part of the pools that you create. It might be that I have a task, and I think Dawn said this earlier, it's not that I'm reorganizing my organization. I'm reorganizing the the tasks that get done, and if I break apart a job today, there may be five tasks that pop out of that that I don't ever have to do internally anymore, and that task could be a photographer for two hours, and I just and I could have a pool that I go to for that. But I could have a pool, to your point earlier, of someone that might pop in and be my CIO for a while because I need a really deeply skilled person. And in that pool, a really good group that could fit in that pool are, are CIOs that might have retired that are like, yeah. I kind of want to retire, but I love the opportunity of semi-retiring and opting into a gig should I want to while I'm sitting on that island in Hawaii. Or, and I want to just be able to opt in and, and pay for my, uh, my weekend gaming or whatever it might be. Thank you, Gerardo. That that helped a lot. Patty, you want you to chime in on this, please? I do. You know, it's interesting, Bonnie, that the quote that, that you mentioned just before Gerardo um, it, um, went through, and I have to say, Gerardo, it, it's so funny. When I was going through the notes, I was like circling and highlighting this one particular thought. I love this topic around Uberization. But, but bringing together what, what Gerardo was just talking about in the quote, it really is interesting how this whole topic of agile workforce has, has a potential power shift, right? The traditional mode is the employer has all the power. It's a very different power um, uh, mm-hmm. situation, which I, I absolutely love. I, I think it's fantastic. It's just, you know, I absolutely understand, though, and, and I think all three of us um, on the phone from my guest perspective witnessed this. It's like, and then what do you do? Right. This is so hard. It feels very uncontrollable. It feels very, when I think about Drucker and I think about the need to manage and count, how do you, how do you actually do this? Right. When we're going from, um, I can't remember what Don said. I can't remember. It was like from efficiencies to being adaptable as the new kind of approach. How do you actually do that if you have a company that's 80,000 people or over 100,000 people? It's a lot easier. It's not easy, but it's a, a little bit more simple if you're smaller and you're operating in one state and, and all of that. It's, it's overwhelming. 
Um, and I cannot wait to see where it goes, but also the technology that's going to enable us to get there. Really, really fascinating. Very, very. Don Miller, love to hear your thoughts on this, please. Yeah, I absolutely agree. You know, it's interesting. Uh, uh, Deloitte did some research with uh, MI around uh, uh, digital organization capabilities and what were the, the key traits, but an interesting piece around, you know, what was just said around how far ahead can we see, uh, you know, even for folks that claim that they had mature digital organizations, which definitely involve uh, agile workers in the workforce, 80% of them that uh, of the 80% that said, yes, our digital strategy and action plan is clear. And, and then we asked them, what does that look like two years out? It dropped to, you know, somewhere in the 40s to 30s. And that's okay, right? right? That, that is absolutely okay, right? Uh, because we, we, are, we are on the frontier of a lot of these things. And just to take a bit of a different tact around this in the, in the gig economy and the uberization of work, I'm a firm believer that there is a high degree of connection between the, you know, the micro view in this and to the teams that are delivering this work and the macro view of everyone trying to sustain performance in their organization. They're trying to activate their, their digital orgs or their agile orgs, and they're trying to you know, think about the future of work. You know, Burson did a lot of research um, over time about career management, and what we find is there's there's a couple of different axes, axes around how work is organized, right? Whether it's a push mindset where roles are outlined and work is assigned to a pool of workers versus pull, where we see, you know, a lot of the gig economy taking hold where workers or other resources are pulled in based on the quantity or need that needs to get done. And then how, how are workers involved in the movement of their career, right? If it's very low, that's very structured career paths, right? And that, that affects everybody personally, or it's less structured and it's more flexible. And so roles and in, in careers that are very open or transitory, right, where there's um, you know, a pull mindset is where you need to think about in your organization, you could really start to leverage the gig economy versus those that are more uh, push where you know that you need to drive more rigor, uh, whether it's high worker involvement or low. Thank you very much. Dorado, I'm going to circle back to you and ask you to wrap this one up. Anything you'd like to add? Very good conversation. I actually think from what Don was just saying and, and, um, and, and Patty, when you think about it is daunting when you look at it and you say, can I get to 80% right away? We kind of go back to the first question um, that we were talking about and about trying to make a wise pivot to it. And it's like trying to find that part of your organization that actually without going to a liquid or an adaptive workforce, you're not actually going to be able to um, get to market faster. And you are going to be one of those stats of the companies that actually doesn't exist anymore. Um, and it's interesting that one other thing I'll say is that I have two college-aged kids right now, and, and as they're kind of going through college and I'm thinking what their career would be, I'm, th- I'm thinking, well, or is it an adaptive career? Is it a career that you create that then you kind of start to, to hold the reins and choose where you're going to do that work? It's the work that you love, and you're just kind of moving across the different different organizations. So it's exciting for um, exciting for organizations, but I think it's exciting for the, the college grads that are coming out these days too. Very interesting. I have to talk to my granddaughter about that. I'm aging myself here, Gerardo. My granddaughter is starting college in two weeks. Oh, my, oh, my, oh, my. She wants to be a marine biologist, so she wouldn't be working in an office very much anyway. But very interesting. I have to have a chat with her when I see her soon. So, Patty Fletcher, we're almost ready for our predictions round, but I want to make sure we cover at least one of the topics here in the wealth of notes you sent me before the show 
And let's talk for a minute, Patty, about your last point. You say, on the one hand, the diversity of the workforce, including, as I mentioned, multiple generations and almost 50-50 gender representation, yay, and multiple culture and skills, individuals expect leaders to provide compensation, benefits packages, pay, vacation, workplace design and tools, and communications channels. Patty, what happens to all of this planning when you're bringing in people on a very contingent, very temporary basis, who decides what the hourly might be or the gig price might be versus an employee who's still working nine to five? Well, nobody works nine to five, but whatever, whatever the standard work week is anymore. Um, how does that, if somebody finds out, what do you mean you came in and you did, uh, you know, you did the same thing I'm doing, but you only did it for a month and I'm making less than you and on an annual basis? How does that set up a competitive uh, race inside? The, the building for people to say, wait a minute, I don't like these consultants coming in and earning more than I do? What do you think? I, I think that at H, HR is in this, this spot right now um, with yeah. all of the different types of work, right? And all the different types of workers and demographics where that question shouldn't be, shouldn't be asked if HR can figure out a way to create unique solutions and opportunities because what I want as a payroll employee in my in my 40s is very very different than what perhaps somebody who is I don't know a, a contingent worker who is in their late 20s right just a very very different um, set of needs that we have and so if we think about things like pay or why don't we offer paid um, uh, paid vacation for contingent staff, right? Why do we mm-hmm. only develop our payrolled employees? What we're facing here is is this kind of multiple things being thrown at HR right now when it comes to both people who are there have on their payroll that where they do need to provide some kind of benefits and compensation packages and all of those things, as well as competing for the resources we've been talking about today. And so it's 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 absolutely amazing. And I don't, again, I don't think anyone has the answer. I was a few weeks ago on a stage, we were talking about millennials and how when we look at Generation Z, you know, to, to much to the point of everybody on this phone, we don't really know what we're going to face by the time they're in full force in the workforce and what they're going to need. One of the biggest challenges the CHROs in that room and the CEOs in that room are facing was, and then how do we use the tools, the levers that we have in order to keep people engaged, we how do and how do we do that in a way that's economical for us, adaptive to us? And as I'm listening to this show, I'm thinking it's all about the adaptive. What are the different types of things? Is it extended vacation instead of paying them, you know, X number of dollars, two hundred k or above, or whatever that person was? Um, so being able to get those common themes, what are those motivations? I know my friends that do a lot of diversity and inclusion work, of course, they do a current state analysis first, right? What, what are people's thoughts when it comes to equitable workforce and all that stuff? And we know that the young millennial men say, I never want to be CEO or chairman of the board. I see who's there now. I see the type of lives that they lead, what they've had to give up. I'm never going to do that. So mm-hmm. having that corporate ladder is not an incentive. It's um, it's a real, real challenge. And I think it just comes down to starting to look at what these tools are, um, how can we use them to get the right level of personal investment and engagement. I want to be here. I want to do the work. I feel valued. Um, and I feel like the package I was just offered was not made for somebody else. It was actually made for me based on 
um, what it is I want to achieve, whether it's a career or I just really want to work on cool stuff, right? What, whatever there those options are. <laughs> Thank you, Patty. We are officially in our predictions round now, and I'm going to circle back around Mr. Miller 360 again. I'm getting dizzy here, Don. Uh, thank you to Jason Kidd for that. I'll never, I'll never see going around the room again without thinking of Jason Kidd. Thank you for that. It, it is just ensconced in my brain. Don Miller, I can give you 60 whole seconds. Use them well. We'd love for you to look into the lens of Deloitte looking out at the future. Crystal Ball, what do you see will be different about this topic between now and 2020? Anything? It could be five minutes after we're off the air, 2020, or even you can go farther out if you want. Crystal Ball prediction, Don Miller, go. Well, I think a couple of things are going to change between now and 2020 in three areas. The, the future of work, I think the future of the workforce, and the future of HR. I think for the future of work, you know, we are going to see a lot of the future growth being driven through the agile or augmented or contingent workforce. And I think, I think leadership of, of these organizations is going to be disrupted, right? And, and you see new leaders coming in and pushing the boundaries, particularly around employee experience to engage that new way of working. I think for future of the workforce, um, you know, to the point made just before, it's going to be a more diverse, inclusive workforce to close the reality gap and drive more value to customers and career journey is going to change and how we measure performance management, all of that is a great opportunity for the future of HR, whether it's digital platforms and solutions, uh, the analytics in, in terms of understanding what really is going to matter from a people management, measurement per- perspective, as well as you know, tackling the talent issue of all the things we talked about, whether it's gig or flexible or more structured uh, talent through you know, cognitive recruiting. And so those are my, those are my predictions. Thank you, Don Miller. Gerardo Van Kirk at Accenture. I have 60 seconds for you. Go ahead, Gerardo. Okay, so I think in 2020, um, we're going to be looking at um, HR that's looking at a workforce that is not sort of the new, but is the now. And the now is they're going to look at it and say, I'm not thinking about how I'm going to get to liquid or, or adaptive. It is. And unless I've already adapted to that by 2020, then I'm not going to have the right talent. And if I've adapted to it and I have the right platforms, I can pull in the agile talent when I need it. The other thing that I need to do is figure out exactly what Patty was saying and saying, what's the experience I need to create? And that experience is across my entire workforce ecosystem, which includes the new skilled employees I have, my, my liquid talent that's, that's external or internal, and then there's also that, that push to robotics and AI. And that, to me, is, is the other part of the workforce that HR has to figure out how they're going to pull all that together and help the company meet its growth goals. Oh, yes, vacation and overtime pay for robots. We'll have to, Patty, that could be your first episode when you come back in 2018. Or if you want, I don't know, I'm full. Coffee break uh, editorial calendar is packed for the rest of you. We'll do it in 2018. You have to come back now, Patty. Patty Fletcher, I saved exactly 60 seconds for you. That's all I have. Use them. Go ahead, predict. Okay, 2020, I I don't know if we're going to be that far ahead um, in the next three years. But what I do see is that shift to the, the employee, the worker, the whatever we want to call them in the center. I see um, absolutely an increase in things like continuous performance management so that I can get very kind of immediate feedback in terms of how I'm doing as a worker. I see um, an absolute focus on how do we bring in contingent staff in a way that it feels part of our culture versus people still on the outside um, where we see leaders learning to treat those contingent workers and HR learning to treat those contingent workers as vital as they do their payroll employees. 
Thank you very much, Dr. Patty Fletcher, for putting together another stellar panel and a very provocative topic. I want to thank Don Miller at Deloitte, Gerardo Van Kirk at Accenture, Dr. Patty Fletcher at SAP Success Factors. Enjoy the rest of your coffee and your time away with your family, Patty. This is the end of our broadcast week. I want to thank all of you for being part of Game Changers Radio this week. We certainly had interesting topics and wonderful speakers. Appreciate everybody's time. Shout out to Kevin, our engineer extraordinaire this week at World Talk Radio, the business channel. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here is my call to action. And I mean it. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? I don't care whether you're part of the gig economy, you call yourself an Uberized, flexible, agile talent. Do something meaningful. Do something that makes you smile. Make a contribution. Be part of something or start something and bring other people in. That's the way it is. Go out and be a game changer today, just like Don Miller at Deloitte, just like Gerardo Van Kirk at Accenture, and, of course, just like our own Dr. Patty Fletcher at SAP Success Factors. Have a great week. Talk to you next week here on Game Changers Radio. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game with HR, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america business channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericabusiness.com the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit voiceamerica.com the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the voice america talk radio network its staff and management